0: Thank you. Metis podcast. I am your host, Nisar Ahmad. I'm also the founder and editor of the blog, careermedis.com And this is episode 44 of the Career Metis podcast. And this episode is part of the career expert series where I've interviewed in the past career professionals, career coaches who will be sharing their wisdom to help job seekers navigate today's market. And for today's expert series episode, I am interviewing Joy Lin uh, Joy is the founder and career strategist f- of Quarter Life Joy. She created this platform to inspire and coach millennials to architect an authentic life and career. Joy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, I'm happy to be here. So excited.
0: Thank you. One of the first questions I always ask because I have got guests from all over where are you calling from?
1: I'm calling from sunny Los Angeles.
0: Now, Los Angeles is a place, no matter where you're listening to this from the world, uh, from any place in the world, everyone knows where Los Angeles is, what it's famous (laughs) for. Maybe you can help us out. Can you share something about Los Angeles that a lot of people do not know about?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think, well, everyone knows about the beaches. Everyone knows about also the traffic. (laughs) Um, So those are probably the best things, and that's also biggest challenge of living here. Um, I think there was something that someone told me that shocked me a little bit, but I don't know the exact statistic, but that a huge amount of people move out of Los Angeles every single day too. And so a lot of people come here to live, but they also leave at a pretty quick rate. So that was a little shocking to me. So I guess, you know, LA is the place to come and try it out. And if you don't like it, you can always go somewhere else.
0: Interesting. So, it's it's sort of like a, a place where people come to experience the West Coast life, then they go somewhere else. That's very interesting. I've never heard that before. uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of people come here with big dreams and, you know, it's a lot of, there's a lot of great industries here and it's a huge hub of different people from all over the world. And so that's the amazing thing about living here. And at the same time, people leave a lot because it's expensive and, you know, you sometimes want to go off and start a family or something and might not be the main place here (laughs) at The Hollywood Life. That makes total
0: sense. Mm So. Now, the next question I wanted to ask you, Joy, is I would love to to learn a little bit about yourself. So why don't you tell us, uh, start off by telling a little bit about yourself and also your journey uh, to where you are today. How did you go about becoming a career expert or a career coach?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My journey has been quite nonlinear, if uh, you could describe it that way. I graduated from UC Berkeley in the Bay Area in economics. And right after that, I signed a great offer in San Francisco um, at a really great firm. And really shortly after I started that job, I already knew that that was not my path. And at the same time, I didn't know exactly what else I wanted to do. I was sort of shocked that I had this career crisis so early on and realized I did not know myself that well. Um, And neither did a lot of my friends. And I was, you know, it was really interesting. And what I ended up doing, I ended up sort of crafting my own career change plan and going back out, talking to a lot of different kinds of people, reassessing what else was out there. What were my actual strengths? What did I value about myself? And all of this accumulated into my first big career change. And I ended up quitting my job, moving to Los Angeles and pursuing a career in the music industry. So I found myself here in Hollywood with no background, no experience in music, um, and, and no job lined up. And I really had to begin to get creative about how I was presenting myself, how I was recruiting and the kind of strategy I was using. Um, the only angle I had was that I was a musician. I played piano for most of my life and I truly enjoyed music. And I just wanted to be part of a more creative environment for myself. What I ended up doing, I ended up deciding to just cold email people because I saw that the job application system online wasn't getting anything. I wasn't getting callbacks from the places I wanted to go by just applying online and doing nothing else. And so I ended up only cold emailing people. I cold emailed a VP. I cold emailed a recruiter at Disney, at Warner, at Sony, all these companies. And that ended up in the way that I got all my interviews and all my full-time offers. And so I learned a lot from that experience, and from that, I stayed in the music industry for another six and a half, seven years, just trying out a lot of different aspects of it. And ultimately, it led me to coaching because people saw this dramatic career change that I made for myself, and I began just sharing my experience online. I began writing for platforms like The Muse and Career Contessa and Millionaire girls movement and all these great places and sharing these information and just experiences that I've had and That's really got what got me into coaching people started asking me for coaching and asking me to guide them through their own career change and Just helping them find something they actually love So I began doing that on the side. On the weekends after my full-time music job, I would go and create career change programs for people. And that just really blossomed into what I do now, full-time. I immediately knew that that was my calling. Uh, In a sense, I guess music was my passion and, and still is my passion and coaching is my calling. And so I began doing that. Full time um, about two years ago, and have not looked back. It's been an incredible journey <laughs> to get here, and and I you know I think I am evidence in itself that having a non-linear career path can still lead you to your calling and what you love doing.
0: Thanks for sharing your story, and I'll always love to hear that because uh, in most or all the interviews I've done, very rarely I've come across the. People have said, "Yeah, this is all, all I wanted to do from as a child, and here I am." It's always non-linear, and I think that's an important lesson for anybody listening. If they're in their early twenties and they think that their career is stuck, look at all the stories that I hear on the podcast. It, it's actually inspiring. So, thanks for sharing.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and I am a huge proponent of the non-linear career path. I think that. That's where you learn a lot about yourself and that's where you gain so much perspective. Um, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always serve as someone to, to limit your choices.
0: That actually is a good segue into what I'm going to ask you. Uh, you have worked with, uh, from what I see on your website, hundreds of clients. You've coached hundreds of them. Uh, before I get into the actual the steps and all that, I always wanted to ask, what are some of the biggest challenges that the clients usually come to you for?
1: Biggest challenges that clients typically come to me for are typically in two parts. One, in career transformation. So clients come to me for direction. They come to me for a growth strategy. They come to me for a fulfillment framework. And then whether it's the job search or they already have a job and they just want to achieve more fulfillment out of the one they have Um, I work with them ranging from work life balance um, defining what a successful career even means for them reaching peak performance yeah and so that's the career transformation portion and then the second big challenge that people come to me for is for personal transformation and I see this a lot and you know I I see that career and and personal life transformation sort of go hand-in-hand And so I work with people also on mastery over their self-doubt, accessing intuition for confident decision-making, cultivating their self-awareness. And I really see these both really weaving together a story and a path for people. I see that one's career path cannot soar in the way that they want them to sometimes unless their inner game is also strengthened. So those are the two biggest challenges that people typically come to me for.
0: You mentioned the word inner game. Of all the words you mentioned, that really stood out for me. So you're talking about the mindset, the psychology. Uh, would you mind expanding on that?
1: The inner game, that that's what fascinates me the most. I think that a lot of what we do is up to our mindset. And it's empowered by the psychology that we have over ourselves and the awareness that our thoughts, create our feelings, create our actions. Right. And when, especially I'm coaching somebody about their career or a a job search kind of process, it could be a, it could be a very stressful and, and uncertain process. And, and a lot of times it's not fun. People don't enjoy it. It creates a lot of anxiety. And, and on the flip side for myself, for example, I experienced a lot of personal transformation doing it. I learned a lot of tools. I learned a lot of habits, a lot of habit building, creating life processes that ultimately maximize the experience that I had with my life. And so I wanted to share this with people. I think that creating an inner game that is extremely strong and can support your strategy and support the vision that, you know, that you want to create with your career and your life, it's extremely crucial because without the internal awareness and internal empowerment that you can create what you feel and what you think and what you do it's easy to feel like a victim or to feel like you're part of a system that's difficult or that you're not getting calls because oh the economy's bad and and you're you know it's it's just easier to feel like you don't have the power anymore. And so I like to work and coach with people and make sure that they remember their, their self-efficacy, remember that they do have direction over their own lives. No matter what happens, even if they choose the wrong career, they can go back and they can make another decision <laughs> that takes them back on the right path. So the inner game is something I absolutely am extremely passionate about. And I don't coach career strategy without coaching someone's inner game too.
0: Very interesting and I've come across the same scenario as well, especially when something happens like a layoff or downsizing or someone has been let go, it it hits them, their psychology or inner game first. So um, you mentioned that is one of the first few things or the first thing that you work on your clients before even strategy. What do you recommend? Like, How do you help them overcome that hurdle which potentially can, can inhibit them?
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So one of the first things I begin to extract from a client as we're talking about their vision and about what they want out of their life, out of their career, is that I, I ask them about their obstacles. I ask them about their biggest challenges. Where do they get stuck? Where do they stop trusting themselves? And where is it that they they feel like they don't have control over that part of the process? And usually, in doing so, I hear a lot of same things i hear a lot of oh i have too many options i don't know which one to choose i'm getting all this different advice i don't know which one is right i'm I'm trying to do this but then i'm i hate networking (laughs) or i'm an introvert i don't want to go out and meet people and so what i'm basically hearing is i'm hearing a lot of limiting beliefs and i'm hearing that people have already they believe a thought in their head which is not entirely true and so Just because somebody is an introvert doesn't mean that they're not capable of going out and making a genuine connection with someone and enjoying the process. Or that they have 10 different options, but that they can't see or understand what their priorities are so that they can evaluate them and understand clearly and confidently which ones are their top options. And so... In that way, I begin to narrow in on their limiting beliefs. Um, and, and a lot of these core human limiting beliefs stem down to I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not safe. I, you know, I'm and yeah, I'm not going to do well. And and these are the kind of thoughts that keep people from becoming their best self or from going out and being proactive in the job search, especially. And so I tackle these limiting beliefs in that way, in that I try to understand where is this stemming from? what do you believe about that? Is, is this actually true? And, and from there, we're also able to build a better belief, a more powerful belief that they can begin using so that everything that they're doing, they're, they're creating a better mindset around it. And they also believe in themselves. They, they can change the way they're thinking about a particular situation. And that can be extremely powerful in your career, your life, job search. Yeah, I highly recommend that.
0: All right. So the first thing you help them fix is their mindset, uh, eliminating any limiting beliefs. So now I'd like to move into the strategy. So, um, of course, uh, one thing I've heard consistently is no matter what is, no matter what changes happen in technology, the job search process there is a level of linearity. It's still linear. Uh, there's a right. resume, cover letter, then there's an interview, job offer. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time on all of them. And if you if you disagree with me please let me know I'm happy to hear uh, your opinion so is that still the Mm -hmm. case with your clients you help you help multiple clients is the process has
1: the process changed at all or is it still the same what what I've experienced so far the process has stayed relatively similar I think most companies still follow the same process in terms of accessing someone's resume or LinkedIn sometimes their cover letter and then a typical interview process. What I think has begun to get even more important, however, I know that you're more likely by a lot to to gain an interview or to gain a job offer through a referral or through someone that you know. And as many of your listeners will already know, you know, it's like you need to know somebody um, sometimes in order to get that interview, in order to get that. And so I think that's become even more important where there's even more qualified candidates out there now. Things are even more accessible. You can send a digital resume and create create something that's unique. Um, you can be more creative on your job application uh, materials and all of that, you know, the competition is even more fierce. And so I, I think that's the part that, that has become even more and more important. And, and, you know, some of these other application materials have become a little bit less important because, um, once you get your face in front of somebody and you're able to present yourself in a very compelling manner, then your resume is just, a you know, it's just, it's just to make sure. And it's just another tool.
0: That's a very interesting point. So you're talking about networking, tapping into your network, talking to people who works at a particular company. Right, right. That's actually interesting. So let's let's chat about that. And this is something I hear a lot, including myself. I've been guilty as well, where people are. That's something a lot of people do not tap into. Uh, People might do that once they graduate out of school, but as they get uh, older and into the field, in the field they do not necessarily do that. So, uh, how do you recommend once to get started in net- with networking with the right people and you know asking for that help?
1: Networking, I believe, should happen at all times. So, what happens to a lot of people is that they begin accessing their network once they need a job or once that they are in the job search process and at that time it's a little stressful you're 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 trying to piece together a network and build something that you haven't been cultivating maybe as well as you could have during your time of need and so that that in itself makes it even more stressful on yourself and so I really see it as just building relationships. And ultimately I call it building friendships. You want to reach out to people that you genuinely are interested in. If you're scrolling on someone's LinkedIn profile and you see that you guys went to the same school or you have something common and you want, you know, you're curious about what they're doing, send them a note. Even if you don't need a job, even if you're already in a job that you love, go and send people notes, reach out to people, um, express that you're Interested in connecting, and you know there's no ulterior motive that is the best time to network because people can't smell your desperation or they can't they can't you know feel that oh, you might want a job or you're, you know you're asking for something specific and so I, I think the best time to network is just when you have a job, go and connect with people that you truly admire, you truly want to learn more from. Um, Find people who are five to 10 years older than you find people who have been in the industry even longer than you find people in industries that you're interested in that you're not even pursuing at that time. And just be curious, be really open minded during all of that, because when you are in a job search and you are looking to change your career, change your path or advance, those are the people that are going to really jump in and they're going to feel like it's a very organic part of the process to help you because they already know you. You've built a rapport. You've built a relationship. So that's what I really suggest. I suggest following your curiosity at all times and then. Then you'll have a great network to 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 go to and to ask for support and ask for referrals when the time comes.
0: That's an interesting approach. So it reminds me of the quote I heard from someone who is a LinkedIn um, super connector. He mentioned dig your. He mentioned some his his philosophy on networking is dig your well before you're thirsty. Don't don't mm-hmm. don't wait for the last minute. Keep building connections and. Don't wait till until you have lost a job or looking for a job to ask for help. Build that connection. So that's that's an interesting yes. uh, interesting way of approaching it. Okay, now, now I'd like to move into the strategies. And uh, now you mentioned you call them career strategies. If they, when they are preparing their resume, their mindset has been altered, uh, their self belief is slightly improved. Now they are more confident. Mm-hmm. They even got a network uh, or whether they got this job offering. Potential either with or without a network. So, in order to prepare their resume effectively, what do you recommend they do properly?
1: Yeah, and that's a great question to ask. The resume is something that could go both ways. You can either spend too much time on it and be missing out on a lot of great other ways to network, or you could spend too little time on it and and you're going out and, and presenting yourself, but your resume doesn't have a clear narrative. So I'm glad we're talking about this. What I suggest is the best way to begin and the best way to maximize your time is to sit back first before you're even going your resume and think about who your intended audiences. A lot of people miss this step. They go in and they're like, Oh, the resume is about myself. And people have this misconception that they're talking about themselves. And this is me, me, me. And you know, you have to sell yourself, but the resume is about others. Actually, the resume is actually a tool for other companies and other people to assess if you're the right person for their team. So that's what I first suggest. I I suggest thinking about who do you want to read your resume? Who who are they? Um, do you know their name actually? Maybe you, you can go on LinkedIn and find who the human resources person is at the company that you're targeting. Um, get, so get very specific know who is, who know who's looking at it. And then, and then consider what is important to them. Consider what is important to their company. What kind of person are they looking to hire? What kind of goals are they hoping to achieve out of this new hire? And then from that perspective, go back into your resume and determine what kind of story you want to tell. So, I, I see resumes as a narrative. It's it's a way that you can tell your story in a very compact and you know really easy to read way. And so, you know, it's bullet points, it's dates, it's the places that you've worked at chronologically. And so but if you're just going and writing into job descriptions of what you've done, you're not thinking about how the other person is translating that or whether they need this at their company or whether it matters to them. So that's something I always want people to think about. And I always go back to the fact that the average time that someone spends reviewing your resume is six seconds. That is not a lot of time. It's like someone is skimming through it and you want to be able to basically spoon feed them what they need to know. If their company, if you're applying for a product management position um, and they do a specific type of product. And they're looking for a specific help in one part of the process, then you want to really highlight that you want to show the achievements that you've had that are transferable and utilize the language that they understand, too. You want to borrow language from their industry and that they would understand rather than using maybe, you know, if if you were in a completely different field and you use different wording, then they won't understand it. So number one, always think about your targeted audience.
0: uh, So what I'm taking away from that, it's about them, uh, what they gain by hiring you rather than yourself as the candidate.
1: Right. 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 And yeah. And really bridging the gap for them. And that's what I see a lot. You know, when you go in and you write your resume for yourself, then the recruiter has to go in and and process what that means for them and to pick out keywords that matter to them. And sometimes the details might be missed because your top achievement doesn't make sense to them or it doesn't translate to the way they would understand it.
0: So now they have created a well-crafted resume they got the attention now they called in for the interview what do you recommend they do or what do you recommend they also do not do as they are preparing or walking into that interview
1: interviews are tricky i think everyone gets nervous before interviews and that's that's not going to change right um obviously one of the top tips is to prepare in whichever ways that you can whether it's I love coaching people in in recording themselves because you don't know what you sound like until you force yourself to listen to it. And I know it's a painful process. I know people don't like to listen to their own voice and it's not the most fun thing to do. However, when you record yourself practicing some answers and you listen to it, you will immediately critique yourself in the ways that will be the most helpful. You'll hear the words that you use as fillers. You'll hear where you're just going on and on and on about the story and not getting to the point, you'll hear about maybe an awkward pause. And so you'll begin to correct yourself extremely quickly. So I definitely suggest preparing for the interview, um, recording yourself, listening to answers, improving, getting a mock interview, anything that you can to just begin to prepare and think ahead. And then after that, what I suggest at the job interviews, then to just detach yourself from the outcome, you know, because over preparing and overthinking at the interview that can actually lead to a lot of a lot of nervousness and can cause you not to perform as well. And so after you prepare and after you practice. I suggest going into the job interview and just being present, being present, noticing the person's demeanor, noticing the the energy level that the person has that's interviewing you And, and being natural and having conversation and asking good questions and and really just. Being there, not thinking about the next answer or worrying about the answer that you just gave that you thought could have been better, just staying in the present and being with that person and just presenting the best version of yourself as possible. Um, that that's what that's sort of the two the two sides of the coin I always suggest for interviews.
0: Okay, uh, now I'd like to just ask you a, a more of a, a question on your side, a personal side. You have, now you coach others on how to do their interviews well. In your career, as you, when you were on the other side, when you were looking for jobs, was there any interview that particularly stood out for you? I mean, that you remember? I'm, I'm sure everyone has that, that one particular interview that they just re- still remember it. You don't need to name the name of the company, but maybe if you're comfortable, just share mm-hmm. why that was memorable.
1: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Interviews are definitely, it could be burned into your memory in both ways, right? Whether they were amazing or they were just horrible and you'd never want to think about it again. Um, and I've had both, I've had interviews that were, I just bombed and they were not, you know, I (laughs) went home thinking like, wow, that was pretty bad. Um, and then I also had interviews that I did really well on. So one of the interviews that was really memorable for me was one of the ones that I ended up getting a full-time offer from. Um, and that was my first full-time offer in the music industry. Like I was saying, when I was changing my career. And so that was actually very pivotal for me. I had landed a full-time offer after doing a couple temp jobs. And, um, that interview stood out to me because it was very organic. And I felt like one, I also prepared for it quite well. I, I made sure to talk to a mentor and spend time with him and, and get briefed about, that particular department about what kind of standards that they use, the kind of um, particular numbers that pertain to that particular industry and the kind of work I would be doing. And so that I knew the standards, I knew the tools that they might be using. Yeah, I, you know, I really tried to brief myself about it, even though I had no experience in the area. Um, it was in music licensing. And so I was learning a lot about, you know, the statutory rate and just a lot of those things and learning about all the different parts of the process. And yeah, so I really educated myself on that first and I think without that I would have felt a little bit lost maybe within some of the questions or I wouldn't have known how to answer some of them. So I think that was very important. And then also it was just a very organic interview. It was you know there were two people interviewing me and I just I just enjoyed the entire thing. I thought they were really genuine in the way that they wanted to know how I would not only be able to execute the kind of work that they, you know, they wanted to hire me for, but then also as a cultural fit for the company and as a team in the team. And they were trying to access my personality as well. And so I think those kind of interviews are always really wholehearted and well-rounded because you feel like not only are you being assessed for your skill sets and, you know, the resume, et cetera, but you're also being seen as a person. And they're also trying to see if you'll fit into their company and their team as well. And so yeah, so that was a memorable interview for me, and I walked out of it just feeling really good about it, and I think that's important to know, you can you can have as many bad interviews as you need to have, but if you have the one that you feel great about and you get the full-time offer, that's the only one that matters, <laughs> um, and it's, it's worth it to go through some of those awkward interviews to get to the good one, because I think without all the practice, from the other ones, um, this might not have been so good, and so um, to really just trust the entire process, and the final interview can always that you know that might be the one. So don't give up hope.
0: That's an excellent point, right? Because at the end of the day. I I find people become perfectionists when they are doing job search, including myself. They want to make each interview count, which is important. Mm -hmm. But uh, people get disheartened when they don't get, they they go for five interviews, they don't get it. But at the end of the day, there's only one you, and you only need one job. (laughs) There's only one. So if you get the one offer that you're looking for, it's mission accomplished. And I think that's a key point. Uh, Don't get discouraged. uh, Just keep going. Eventually, you will find the best fit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: One of the final questions I have. um, So for the last few minutes, we spent time on the things that are very common, like the resume interview, everything that no matter what, the times have not changed. It's still the same process. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, you things have changed to some degree with technology, with uh, LinkedIn. How should people approach job search differently in today's economy?
1: Absolutely, I think the technology has been a huge point of leverage for for the job search process, um, and also a cause of stress. Right? <laughs> it's like every day you're going on, and there's so many new jobs. There's all these, um, yeah, profiles. There's all these people that you have access to immediately. So, in terms of the way that things have changed, what I love having people begin with using. Is LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I think, is one of the best tools to use for research, for job searching, and for some just some background research on on who you're trying to talk to. Oftentimes, I I suggest that people start using job boards first as a research tool, not as their end all be all of job applications. Um, as many people know. Sometimes when a job is posted, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's still open. It mean, you know, you don't ever know what part of the process, the hiring process that it's already in. Um, and, and yeah, there's just a lot of assumptions that you might be making when you're spending all your time applying for that job. So what I typically love helping people with is, is understanding LinkedIn better so that they can go in and research first. They can find, they can go and look at some job, job openings, but then also Go look at who the recruiter is. Find who might be the manager of that team. Look at who the team is already. What are the backgrounds of the people who are already there? What kinds of people have they typically hired? Um, How would you stand out if you were part of that team? How would you not fit in? How would you fit in? What extra skills does it look like you would bring to the table? And there's just so much that you can already begin to look at when you're just looking at someone's profile. And so um, I I say, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Go and look at people's profiles. Look at scroll through their experience. Um, Look at different company profiles. Look at the kind of makeup that they have. What age ranges are they A lot of companies, you can even tell by the way people talk about the jobs, that there's a particular voice of the company or there's a particular culture of the company. Um, A startup voice might be very different than a more established financial services company. And so doing a lot of that personal research, you will already begin to understand where you want to, where you want to focus your search. And then also what gaps that you might need to fill. So, you know, for example, if you're researching a job that you want and you go and look at the company, you look at the people on the team, and a lot of them have a very linear career path, but you don't, you're trying to make a career change. And so then then you might be able to see like what maybe what they do now in their job where is the transferable skill that that you can use as the connector so that people understand that you're also capable of it what can you leverage is there something that you would bring to the table that all these people don't so that they would want you on their team yeah and just really beginning to look at the details i think linkedin is so great for that and You can spend hours on it, just gathering information and preparing yourself before you even apply to a single job, because I think it matters. I think it matters that you you do this additional research. Um, And then after that, of course, uh, you know, connecting to people. I I typically do suggest you to find email addresses because you want to think about where the person is in during their day to day. And a lot of times people aren't on LinkedIn unless they're a recruiter or unless they are a job seeker. And so um, but if you're reaching out to someone at a company, typically they're in their emails, they're in their work emails. You know, we're all <laughs> we're all looking at our emails every day. So finding someone's email and, and outreaching that way is extremely effective, um, especially if you have a compelling reason or a connecting way of reaching out to them that you guys have something in common or um, yeah. Or just you reach out in a very genuine manner. And so, yeah, I, I love LinkedIn. I love I love being able to use it as a research tool and as an outreach tool and and then ultimately to tell your own story after you have your resume and it's, you know, really clean and has a clear narrative and it has all the key words, it's great to go on your LinkedIn because then you have your picture there and you can inject a little bit more of your personal voice, um, add links, you can add recommendations. And it's also just a, such a clean interface. I, you know, I just love the look of it too. I enjoy being on it. So yeah, so those are just some ways that you can use LinkedIn to, to just strengthen your search and to strengthen your own knowledge about who you're connecting with.
0: Those are amazing insights. Uh, Joy, thanks for sharing lots of great insights. Uh, we have come to the end of the interview. Before we conclude, uh, is there anything, any last words, anything that you would like to share with the audience?
1: My last word would be to, to be yourself. You know, I think that a lot of times people feel pressured when they're thinking about their career path to mold it or to be a certain way based on what they think society has given them or that maybe someone else in their life thinks that they should do, or that they need to be a certain title to even be considered successful. And so I would, I would say to break down those walls, really reconsider what your own definition of success is, what your own definition of happiness and fulfillment comes from and to go for it, to go for it, to not wait to change your job, not to wait to change your direction. Um, and and to keep you know keep learning be curious about everything to know what kind of problems you like solving and to follow that as much as possible don't be uh, don't feel pressure to be another kind of person other than yourself.
0: That's an amazing uh, conclusion. And before I conclude, I wanted to say, I, I've, I've interviewed career coaches, uh, career professionals such as yourself. I always learn something new. There's always some new insight, new angle, and you've shared tons of them. And when I finish this, editing this post, I'll write a, I usually do a blog post, where i write a summary. I'll be, I'll be sharing those. So thanks for joining us uh, all the way from LA. And uh, thanks for sharing all your wisdom. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. I had such a great time. Thank you.
0: You're welcome, Joy. Thanks folks for listening to this episode of the career medis podcast. Uh, I have written a brief summary with some up, uh, notes and also links to Joy's website. Uh, if you enjoyed this particular episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, uh, definitely go ahead and share this episode among your network. Uh, as always, I, I say you can uh, find other episodes of the Career Medics Podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and TuneIn. Uh, until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medics Podcast. Thank you i <laughs>